0: Welcome to the Crossing Church Podcast. This week, campus pastor Michael Pippen closes out the year and our series, The Coming King. We hope you enjoy this weekend's message. I want to welcome everyone watching online around the world. And uh, and can you give a shout out to our amazing campuses? Uh, We're down here in Plant City, right? Stomping ground. Uh, South Shore, Pastor Hector. And of course, right here in Tampa, Pastor Wade killing it. I love him. And, uh, and so I want to thank Pastor Greg and, and Pastor Tamara. Just say thank you so much for their leadership. What, a, what an amazing couple. And we are all blessed to be under that. And so, uh, so I know everyone is still full from Christmas. And so let's get into uh, the scripture and we'll fill up our spirits. Does that sound okay? Can we do that? Let's have a feast today. Uh, I've got a lot to say, so I'm gonna talk real fast. So I need you to listen fast and keep up with me. And if I uh, mix Southern drawl and fast, you may not understand it because it starts sounding like banjo. But, but you can go back and slow the video down, and then you can hear it in English. So in Daniel chapter two, <clears throat> I'm actually gonna mix two verses, two scriptures together that I've never preached together. That's Daniel chapter 2 and Luke chapter 2, and so I want you to, uh, to follow along. You can read the story in Daniel 2. I'm just going to summarize it for us today just for time's sake, but King Nebuchadnezzar, he, uh, he had a dream, and, and he could sense that this dream was very significant. You ever had one of those dreams where you wake up and it, it just feels something different about it? It feels kind of special? And, and so uh, my wife has those dreams, and, and a lot of times I get in trouble for those. I, somehow I get in trouble for the dreams she had. And uh, I guess it's just too real. But he had one of these dreams that was too real. And, uh, and so he ordered all of the, the, the fortune tellers and wise men to come in to, uh, to him and tell him what he had dreamed and then give him an interpretation of that dream. Well, he said, if you get it wrong, though, I'm going to tear your limb from limb, and I'm going to turn your house into a bathroom. It literally says outhouse. He's going to turn their house into an outhouse. And, and I understand the pressure, and I think some of the men in here might follow me, because when your wife comes to you and says, baby, do you notice anything different? It's the same pressure that Daniel, that these wise men were feeling in this moment. Your wife ever do that? Just, uh, do, you, do you see anything different? I'm, and now I got to do like a mental Google search of every conversation I've had for the last week and a half. Which to be honest, I wasn't listening to the first time. And figure out, does she have a hair appointment? Does she get her toes done? She has on closed sho- closed-toed shoes. I don't know. I, you know, you said going through. So they were freaking out because they couldn't answer the question and no one could do it. So he actually declared that all of the wise men in the land would be killed. He said, just go ahead and wipe them all out. They're all worthless. And so they show up to Daniel and they came to kill Daniel. And he basically says to him, wait, you got to be kidding, right? This is this is out of control. Uh, I don't don't like this at all. So I tell you what, my God's going to take care of it. Just take me to the king. And, uh, well, my, my, my daughter's here, uh, in the room. And, and, and so I'm going to translate it for all, for her and all the other Gen Zers because they don't always understand real well. So, uh, if, if, if Daniel had been a Gen Zer, he would have said, no cap. We about to get canceled. This is mad sus, bro. My God just hits different. Trust me. When God's done, the king's going to be such a stand. And if you didn't understand any of that, just find the youngest person around you and they will translate for you. So the king gives him a little bit of time for him to hear from God. And, and so he, we watched Daniel's response in, in verse 17 and 18 of chapter two. I want to read this one particularly. It says, then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And he urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. And he immediately, you see this? He immediately goes to his life group. The first recorded life group Sometimes you got you to gotta have some people around you. I want to give you this truth. Here, here's the truth. Everyone eventually finds themselves in a situation that they uh, uh, or finds themselves in, in a place where they need answers they don't have for a situation they don't control. You hear me? One, one day you're going to find yourself in a place where you need answers that you don't have for a situation you can't control. And that's why we need to do life together with other believers. That's why we need people we can run to and say, I don't have an answer. Can you join with me? Can we seek God of heaven and see if he won't answer this for us? Some of you are sitting here today on the cusp of a brand new year and you're still carrying around all these feelings, all these fears from the last one. Still carrying around all this anxiety from the the old what ifs are still hanging around. We get paralyzed by those. You know, there's a condition called anticipatory anxiety. It's excessive worry about potential future events. Excessive worry about potential future events. This is that what if kind of stuff that bangs around in our heads sometimes. You're married, but what if they cheat on me? You're single, but what if I never find someone? You you don't have kids, but what if what if I'm not a good parent? You have kids, but what if they never leave? These are deep Painful questions that we have to face. <laughs> and, and, and I'm going to tell you like Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar in verse 28. He, he said, uh, I can't help with none of that, but there's a God in heaven. So, sometimes you've got to look at yourself in the mirror and just say, uh, I can't help with none of this, but there's a God in heaven. You need to look at your doctor and say, I can't help with none of that, but there's a God in heaven. There's times where we have to look at our situation and remind it that there is a God in heaven, and that situation, that circumstance, that disease does not have the last say. There is a God in heaven. And I I like this little nugget. I'm just going to give it to you. I just saw it in here. It's just extra. I ain't going to charge you for it. So here's the nugget. Ready? What you meditate on in the day is revealed to you in the night. Do you hear that? What you meditate on in the day is revealed to you in the night. In verse 29, Daniel says to him, as your majesty was lying there, your mind turned to things to come. And the revealer of mysteries showed you what is going to happen. Listen, God did this uh, wicked king a favor, right? He did did Nebuchadnezzar a favor here, but the principle still applies. In Psalms chapter 1, it tells us that if we spend the day meditating on the voice of God, if we spend the day meditating on what God is saying about our situation, then he reveals his blessing in us. And if that's true, then the opposite is true as well. If we meditate on what the world is saying and spend our time focused on our problem and focused on on, on what the world might say about our problem, then the curse is revealed in us. Adam, who told you you were naked? Who you been talking to? Rolling into this new year, some of you have got to find some new talking to people. I want to show you this, this vision. So he, he, he begins to describe the vision and, and, and we have it up here. So, so Daniel lays it out like this. There's, the golden head, he said, and then you, you saw a chest and arms of silver, which represented Persia. And you saw the bronze uh, waist, which was Greece. And then he said, and then you saw iron legs and they became clay and iron feet together. But then all of a sudden, a rock that was not hewn out by a man's hands was showed up and it struck the feet of the statue and it collapsed and it comes down into a million pieces. And we see Babylon set by gold. We see the silver being made. In Persia, we see the bronze being Greece, the iron legs and the feet of clay, which were a mixture of clay and iron together, which represents our modern condition where we have nations that are are not quite an empire. They're a conglomerate. They got 10 toes and they're a conglomeration of authorities that represent control in the world, right? So here we are at the feet stage of this thing. But then he he sees all this stuff way way before it happens and he prophesies that he he said this is what your dream was see daniel explains that these are empires that will come and they will go through history however there is a kingdom a final kingdom that is coming to destroy them all and this king will last forever this kingdom will destroy every other kingdom that's ever tried to raise itself up. And the authority, the dominion, the power, they rest in this kingdom in eternity. That rock has already been carved out. In fact, we celebrated this rock yesterday. First Peter chapter two, verse four through five, it says, as you come to him, the living stone, talking about Christ, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. We celebrated that stone, and here you are, little stones from a big stone. If you accepted Christ as your savior, you become a little stone, a little living stone from a big living stone. You're being built into a kingdom that will never fail, that will never fall, that, that, that is conquers above all. You're part of the kingdom of God. Power, dominion, it's in you right here. You know, I'm, I'm going to ruin some of yours, your nativity scenes. It's okay, Christmas is over. Y'all can take those down now and just don't put them back up. I'm just kidding. You do what you want. I don't care. But, but I want to show you some things. This is what we've learned. That, that a, a, uh, While we're talking about stones, did you know that Jesus' manger was actually made of stone, not wood? You know, your nativity scene got it wrong. This is actually what a manger looked like. So they were full. They had lots of stones in Israel. They had very little timber. So they wouldn't have wasted timber on a straw box right? for, for, for animals. They would have used the stone that was there so they had limestone and they would carve it out and create a basin and that is what an actual manger looked like now uh it, to me it's amazing when when god starts writing stuff in scripture he starts pointing to to his promise Everything in scripture is about his promise. It's about Christ. It's about his coming. It's about his salvation plan for you and I. It's about his his plan for the kingdom of God to be restored in the earth. This is about his plan. And whenever he he, he sent his son, he didn't just send the baby. He sent a message. And and I want to watch this. This is subtle. God's so smooth the way he does stuff. Because you look at this. All right, so there's, there's this picture. Put that back up. There's a picture of this manger. And, and, and so Christ is born here, and his father on earth, his earthly father, right? His name was Joseph. And so Joseph took this baby that was wrapped in strips of cloth and laid this baby in a carved-out block of stone. A few years later... In Matthew 27, we see this story happen. Then Joseph of Arimathea, a different Joseph. Joseph took the body of Jesus, wrapped him in clean linen cloth and placed him in his own tomb that had been cut out of a rock. So when the baby came, he said, listen, one day this baby, you'll find him again wrapped in cloth and laying in a cut out rock. And from that, you will have life because this is our sacrificial lamb. Little, little living stones making up the body of the chief cornerstone started out wrapped in strips of cloth and laying in a cutout rock and then ended up. You got the picture of the tomb? Ended up in a cutout rock. All to destroy the power of death, hell, and the grave. All to, 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 that you might have life and life abundantly. All that you could live in authority and dominion and power. All that you can trample over the enemy and his plans. All that you could establish and build the kingdom of God in the earth. All for you and I to live life abundant. But I'm not just going to tear down that part of your manger scene, your, your nativity. There are no animals there. Okay? The, the cow didn't make it. That cow, I don't know where the camel came from. He wasn't there. Nowhere in the Bible the camel showed up to kiss on the baby Jesus. There was no wise men there. They, they didn't make it for a long time. They were years later. They were real slow. And it wasn't even in a barn. There was no barn. It was was actually in a tower. And I'm going to show it to you right here. So this thing is called the Migdal Eder. The Migdal Eder. Migdal Eder. It actually, Migdal is the word watchtower. And Eder is the word flock. It's the watchtower of the flock. And I'm going to show you a a rarely quoted scripture. But it's in Micah chapter 4. In Micah chapter four, verse eight, it says this. As for you, watch tower of the flock, Migdal Eder. Stronghold of the daughter Zion, the former dominion will be restored to you. Kingship will come to daughter Jerusalem. Now in chapter five, we know all these Micah verses that he quotes about the coming savior. He started in chapter four. That is the description of where Christ was going to be born. He says, to you, Migdal Eder. He prophesies to the tower of the flock. and says, and in you is going to come through the king of kings, the Lord of lords. Dominion is being restored. Kingship is being placed in the land. And it's going to come through you, Migdal Eder. It's a prophetic description of the coming king. And where he would be be born. See, Migdal Eder was the actual place. Uh, it, it's about half a mile. Uh, so Bethlehem is about six miles south of Jerusalem, and and Migdal Eder is about half a mile from there. And it's on a high point. It's a ridge, and they would have placed this tower up on this ridge, and the shepherds would get up in the top of the tower. And they would, they would be able to keep an eye out. They could see Jerusalem because, remember, they're looking for thieves, they're looking for bears, lions, and wolves. And they could look and see what's coming out of Jerusalem, what animals might be coming up on our flock. And the flock are down here in the valley just grazing, have the time of their life. And, and they are up on top of this, this tower observing their flock. Now, it's a good vantage point. They could see everything from there. And after several generations, uh, 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 that actual location at at Migdal Eder and at Bethlehem, it became known as the place where the unblemished, spotless lambs were raised for temple sacrifice. And so if you were going to get a sacrificial lamb, you had to get it from Migdal Eder in Bethlehem. That was the location. And on the ground floor of this tower, on the ground floor of this tower was a room. Inside this room, it was a lamb nursery for sacrificial sheep. That's important. This nursery was designated for delivery and protection of these special lambs. Inside of it would have been one of those mangers I showed you earlier and that manger was always kept ceremonially clean always ready for a sacrificial lamb always prepped and prepared and The shepherds were there But we like to pitch that the shepherds were poor and lowly and uneducated these shepherds these these jokers these dummies were out just just poor fellas out there in the wilderness just struggling First of all, sheep were not even allowed to be raised inside the nation of Israel. They had to be raised in the wilderness. So the only reason that these sheep were allowed is because they were specifically used for temple worship. And the only way you could raise these particular sheep for temple worship was to have a priest over them. And so these shepherds weren't just shepherds. These were priestly shepherds. They were well-educated in the word of God. They were high in their class and standard. They were respected. They They were employed by the highest functioning organization in the land, the temple. And their job was to raise spotless lambs for sacrifice. So here these priestly shepherds are in this spot. And you might remember King David, right? So David was born in Bethlehem. And one day David would become king of Israel. But as a young man, David was a priestly shepherd. He would have most likely been, remember he was raising his brother, said to you, where are those few little sheep you're supposed to be watching? He's talking about those sacrificial lambs. In fact, you'll hear it because these priestly shepherds would be in the field or up in this tower and they would be studying the scripture and watching the sheep. And studying the scripture and watching the sheep, and and they would become, they were in love with the word of God. That's why you hear in Psalms 63 that David says stuff like, On my bed, I remember you, I think of you in the watches of the night. So while they're out there, here's this this scene of David. It's an important job in raising the sacrificial lambs. They would have needed over 250,000 of these sacrificial lambs in Israel at that time. And the the angel shows up, and the angel begins to speak to these priestly shepherds, and he he gives them this right here from Luke chapter 2. And there were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior is born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now I want to challenge just for a second. In the Greek, in in the way this would have been written, they're missing a couple definitive articles in the translation. It would have actually been better translated to say, you'll find a baby that has been swaddled. And this baby is lying in the manger. Not a manger, the manger. It's a definitive article, the manger. Because there are lots of mangers in Bethlehem. Bethlehem was a bigger city then than it is now. And there was lots of mangers. So it wasn't just a manger, it was the manger. Now remember who the, who the angel was talking to? Talking to the priestly shepherds who know the word. And, 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 and so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in The manger. So the shepherds knew the prophecy of Micah that had been foretold that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, and they also knew that Micah foretold where exactly to look in Bethlehem. The Messiah king would come to the Migdal Eder, the tower of the flock, where the manger was located. They didn't have to go scouring the city looking for a baby wrapped up. Probably hundreds of babies had been wrapped up. They didn't have to go scouring all the mangers in town. They went straight to the tower at Migdal Eder because in there is a sacrificial lamb nursery. And in that sacrificial lamb nursery lays the lamb of God, the Messiah. And when the priestly shepherds heard this, they heard swaddled and they heard the manger, they knew right where to go. And to understand swaddling, listen, the newborn lambs would be wrapped tightly in strips of cloth. They were, i.e., swaddled. And it was specifically designated temple cloths. And, and, and then they would be laid into this manger so that they would be kept safe from any blemish, because if they got a cut on their leg, they were no longer qualified for, for sacrifice. They had to be spotless, perfect, no flaws. And so they'd wrap them in these claws, these temple claws. They'd lay them in this manger so that it would be safe and they could be inspected to ensure that they didn't have any blemishes. These strips of cloth to come from the garments, by the way, of the priest. They would the priest would serve a two-week rotation inside the Holy of Holies, inside the temple, offering sacrifices to the king. And they would take these clothes, these clothes that they were wearing. And when they got done with their two-week rotation, they would cut them into strips and they would give them to the temple priests and the temple or the uh, uh, priestly shepherds, and they would use these cloths that had been inside the worship of the God of the universe and had been covered in adoration and they would take these costs and they would use them to wrap the sacrificial lambs and at the appointed times the shepherds they would separate the lambs selecting only the males that were without blemish and would lead them through the sheep gate into jerusalem where they would be purchased by people wanting to present a sacrifice to the lord for their sins Listen. During the twenty-one day fast that's coming up, we're gonna have a chance to pray about these gates, and and particularly the sheep's gate. If your name starts with an A or a B, then you're assigned to spiritually cover prayerfully the sheep gate during the prayer during the uh, uh, twenty-one days uh fasting and prayer and so if you want to find your family's uh gate that you're supposed to be covering during the prayer time together you can go to WearCrossing.com dot com for slash gates and you can see what your last name begins with and you can pray over that gate but that's how we end up here at this moment they bring them in through the gate and, and i want you to watch this because 33 years later jewish historians cite that the lambs Right during this time, they all come from Bethlehem and were brought up into Jerusalem, into the sheep gate. And that time, only the sheep from Bethlehem, who had been raised especially for the purpose of sacrifice, were allowed to be chosen for selection. They were purchased. That is what they did when they bought our Savior through Judas, they paid for the lamb. And Jesus enters, this is so good. I love how God does this. It's amazing. Jesus enters, now Now watch this. You had to select your lamb on the 10th day of Nisan, the 10th day of the month. And on the 10th day of the month, we know that as Palm Sunday. The day you select your sacrificial lamb to cover your family's sin is the day our king walked into Jerusalem. He said, the lamb is here. I've been purchased. I've been selected. But you, you can't just purchase your lamb. Now, they've been doing this for 1,500 years at this point. And you can't just purchase your lamb and, and, and sacrifice your lamb right away. You got to wait four days because you gotta give everybody else a chance to check out your lamb, to make sure your lamb is spotless. So for four days, our lamb walked around through the temple and walked through the city, It was in the upper room, was being examined by the priests and by the people to be shown that he was spotless. And during those days, of inspection of the lamb, the perfect lamb presented himself. And here's what's so cool about this moment. Why did God show up to these shepherd priests in the field? Why did he show up to them? They were the only ones he told where exactly to go. He said to them, you'll go to the Migdal Eder. You'll find the savior being born there. Why is that so important? Here's what he was. He was giving them their two week notice. You've been out here raising these, these sacrificial lambs, but I'm here to tell you, the lamb is here. You can go ahead and start looking for a new job because we don't need these sacrificial lambs anymore. The lamb that was slain for all mankind has been born. It is laying in the nursery right now. It is on the ceremonially clean uh, manger. It's been wrapped in the temple cloths, It is ready for sacrifice. And he ushers in a new kingdom. I want to tie this two scriptures together. Because you remember, uh, there was 10 toes on that clay feet. And, and here's what we know. Word, numbers are important in, in Jewish culture. Num- numbers were important in Hebrew. And, and so the number 10, it represented uh, testimony and law, right? 10 commandments, responsibility, and, and a completeness of order. So the last great world ruling kingdom of man under Satan is symbolized prophetically by the 10 toes of Daniel chapter 2 and the 10 horns of Revelation. Now watch this. The 10th day of Nisan is also when the Israelites crossed the Jordan into their promised land. Ephesians chapter 1 says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in the holy in His holy people, and His incomparably great power for those for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of uh, uh, In the in heavenly realms far above all rule and authority power and dominion and every name that is invoked Not only in the present age, but in the age to come and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head Over everything for the church that is his body the fullness of him who fills everything in every way you are his body small stones from a big stone you have been given that same power to to place every plan of the enemy under your feet you are, you are not a victim You have been bought with a price. You are victorious. You are full of power and life. You are are full of his presence and his glory. And if you call him king in your life, if you've submitted yourself to him, then there is no reason for you to become victim to the influence of this world kingdom. He came to destroy this world kingdom. And he's building a new one in you. You are not a victim no matter what they said about you in 2020. You weren't a victim then. You're not a victim in 2021. You won't be a victim in 2022. You You are a part of the body of Christ. He said, I'm bringing back dominion and power and authority, and I'm doing it in my body. Stop letting the enemy tell you that you're broken and that you're frail. And that you have to just accept it you are part of the body of Christ victory is in your DNA I want to make two calls right here the the first um, call I I, I want I want you to to search your heart and and anyone you, you would say you know what I'm ready I'm ready to walk in the full Authority and dominion that Christ has placed in me. I'm tired of being uh, held back by fear and anxiety and what might be and the what ifs. and, And I'm done with all that. I'm ready to walk in the full authority and dominion that Christ has for me. 2020, 2022 is gonna be different. Raise your hand. Just say, that's me. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. Every campus, say you, raise your hand. I'm ready for it. Let me pray that over you. Father, I just declare right now that a release of your power and authority in this building and in our church is being brought forth right now. We are influencers. We are not those that are broken and left to the side. We are your chosen people, your royal priesthood. We declare that the seven mountains of influence have no, have no chance against the power of your name. The enemy has no ground against your name. You paid for it. The sacrifice was too great. So Father, let this year be a year where your dominion and power reign in our life. The things that have held us back, no longer. The broken places are made right. The crooked mentalities are made straight. The broken bodies are made whole. the the influence in the city. We no longer are hiding in darkness, but we are bringing the light into the world and we declare that this world will be different. Tampa Bay, Plant City, South Shore will be different because of what you're doing in us, your little living stones. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, if I want you to search your heart and you say, you know what? I've never given my life to the Lord. I've never actually surrendered to him. I see now that that he is my sacrificial lamb that died for my sins, that I might have life and life abundantly. And he came not just to give me that, but to give me power and dominion, to give me authority, to walk and, and, and tread over every enemy and wickedness. He's given us victory. And I want to be part of the body of Christ. Then I want you, just everyone pray this prayer with me. Say, Father, at every campus, say, Father, I know that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I accept the gift of your salvation. The greatest gift I can receive is you. So come into my life. Take control of my heart. I surrender it all to you, and I call you my king. Now move with authority and power in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed that word. Don't forget you could subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash crossingchurch. There you can watch all of our messages on demand and our live broadcasts. You can also download the Crossing Church app by going to wearecrossing.com app and you can download it for your app store. We can't wait to worship with you next weekend. For times and locations, visit wearecrossing.com.